Pating. 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 You spoiled it. Oh. <laughs> By laughing. Welcome, everybody, to episode 95 of the Metabilis 2, featuring myself, Ben. And Saranga. <laughs> the, the mysterious Saranga, <laughs> who has decided to join us this week. Uh, hello, with, I'm David. With his pet ting beside him. <laughs> um, right, what did we think of episode 5 of um, season 11? It was better than last week. <laughs> really? I enjoyed it less than last week. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, we got a split. <laughs> I mean, it's not a huge split. I mean, I, 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 did, I did not not enjoy it a huge amount, mm-hmm. not less than last week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can work your way through all those double negatives. <laughs> um, I, I thought it, it started weirdly. Mm-hmm. So why were they on a junk heap? Well, we never really found out what they were looking for at all. Well, no, we didn't. Other than the fact that that's the obvious place to find a mine that someone has left behind. Right. And it also ended, like, weirdly. What was that song they were singing at the end? What the hell was that? Mm, I don't know. I think this was the best episode of Star Trek Doctor Who has ever done. It really... The whole setup with the weird alien and the um, that little ceremony at the end... Really, the whole thing smacked of Star Trek on a low budget, and it delivered excellently on a Star Trek low budget. Now, was this what I'm looking for for Doctor Who? Nope. Not really, no. No. No, no, no. But no. I did enjoy it more than last week for multiple reasons, but uh, yeah. I, can go, I can go into them, I guess. I but, guess uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, I said, only slightly less than last week. Mm-hmm. And I didn't enjoy last week that much. So, aside from Yaz's family last week, I liked the uh, ancillary, the guest cast much better this week than I last week. I thought they were a bit perfunctory. I, I, I mean that. I mean the android was great, but like Ronan, yeah, Ronan the android, but he didn't uh-huh. really have anything to do apart from like mm-hmm. act being an android. And I was surprised that the Pating did not attack the android because they set it up that. It won't attack organic life, but anything with a power source right. or anything right. mechanical, I I thought they were setting it up to be Ronan would be attacked by the Pating and there was nothing that it could do about it. And maybe that was the resolution or something like that. And at the end, what was left for Ronan is just shut down and obsolescence. So yeah. kind of a waste of a character. I had a good uh, friend at college called Ronan. He wasn't, he wasn't an android. Who wasn't? Yeah. Well, it probably had better hair then. Yeah, he did have quite good hair. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. the genesis of the story yeah. seems to be a little bit ad hoc because at the very end and in the DWM preview of this, Chibnall writes that the alien was created by a writer named Tim Price, who was part of the writer's room, the story room, as Chibnall calls it in DWM. Right. And they all loved the unusual name of the alien and they thought it was great but tim price was too busy to work on doctor who so chibnall wrote a story and i think uh, this is an example of 
Chibnall's had his whole life to think about how he wanted to run Doctor Who. This is the first series of Doctor Who under a new showrunner's tenure, and that he has to go mine another writer's another writer's monster idea and just cobble a story around it doesn't really give me a lot of confidence that Chibnall had a plan that he pitched to the BBC for the series other than we're going to cast a female doctor for the first time and maybe have a story room. That That's not a good storyteller. That's just someone who has a hook. Well, I mean, we've been saying this consistently, and I think it, I think it's, I think it's largely true. I mean, right now it does really seem that Chibnall's main pitch was that the Doctor's a woman. Right. I mean, the very first thing any Doctor Who fan has got in their head is like a decent monster. Right. Um, and this was not it. No, I mean, I think I've seen online people compare it to Beat the Meep um, from the Doctor Who weekly comic strip. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Nibbler from Futurama, Nibbler from Futurama. Stitch, Stitch from, from Lilo and uh, the Stitch. The first, because um, my kids used to obsessively watch Lilo and Stitch. It was Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Right. It was the bastard love child of Nibbler and Stitch, <laughs> basically. It's, it was, it's, they should have called it Niche or Stibbler. Stibbler. There you go. Stibbler, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of inconsistent, wasn't it? I mean, okay, so they had to protect the... Warp core, the warp core, or the antimatter core, and and I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm in favor of STEM as much as the next man, but like, do we have to have like a full couple of minutes of the Doctor patiently explaining to us what CERN was and what antimatter was and positron? Maybe it's like really that's so irrelevant. Uh, yeah, I like that. She was geeking out on science, and we haven't seen the Doctor do that for. Lord knows how long. So I thought that was an interesting bit of her character and just combined really? with her. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, did, did, did you also enjoy the interminable scene talking about Ryan's father, which also went rent on for about 10 minutes, apparently? That was very, very forced. And it wasn't meant to be enjoyed. It was supposed to be a, a character dump of info, but it was ill-advised. It did not work well with the scene that they chose to explain this. It just went on and on and on and on and on and on, which is how I felt about the antimatter scene. Anyway, so the Nibbler was trying to get the antimatter core, obviously, because it's after mm-hmm. energy. Right. And they protect the antimatter core using some like big guns that they happen right. to have in the hospital, because why wouldn't you have big guns in the hospital, right? Yeah, I was thinking they wouldn't have any weapons and you'd have like a defibrillator or something that something, the doctor could I, yeah, more, jury rig into a weapon. But the big guns kind of just arrived from nowhere and they fire the big guns at, at the Nibbler and um, mm-hmm. that stuns the Nibbler or something even though it eats energy. And then she slow motions and they kind of, you know, bend it like Beckham way and also mm-hmm. played by an Asian girl um woman begging her pardon uh, it was kind of punts it down the corridor for a while and then he mm-hmm. just comes back again this, there was a lot of that kind of business that mm-hmm. kind of didn't it didn't flow well it didn't hang together well it was kind of choppy mm-hmm. there was too many characters right now they can get rid of yaz as far as i mean yaz is um, there's no superfluous no, no fault of the actress but you know it's right. it's, it's ryan and graham that they're, they're making the running in terms right. of characters yaz is like i mean i'm desperate for us to get to you know pakistan in 1947 so she can finally have something to do with herself 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe next week will be better. But exactly. the story so far of the series, um, Rosa's probably been the high point, and it's been partially written by another writer than Chris Chibnall. And uh, next week is Vinay Patel's, uh, what, a Demons of the Punjab? Yeah story so hopefully hopefully that we have another writer will uh save save, save yes. us a bit yeah yeah you know what they should have called the patang pating whatever it's called pating they should have called it the chibnall <laughs> but they should have i mean like star trek where every mm-hmm. alien has to have like a, an apostrophe after the first mm-hmm. letter it should, should be called the chibnall <laughs> anyway well it just yeah, oh, yeah, it whatever, just, yeah, yeah. If Chibnall did not say we're not going to have any returning monsters, this is the perfect Cyberman story. Instead of the little nibbler character, the Pating, that's Cybermat right there. Why are they trying to cripple the ship? Maybe because of the general for some reason. Right. You know, there's there's some some kind of motivation. To me, this is a Cyberman story that instead we had to have this strange uh, this the strange creature that really doesn't make any kind of evolutionary sense at all be a gremlin in the system gremlin. just to move the plot along. I'm surprised they didn't call it gremlin, actually, because that's what it is. It was a gremlin out of World War Two. Right. Um, I did actually... So, yes, and it would... Again, it was perfect. We're in space territory. You know, this could have been a wonderful Cyberman story. I, in mm-hmm. some ways, I mean, I'm you know just just running with your point, your Chibnall is, is really... Um, some ways kind of shooting himself in the foot by, you know, point blank refusing to use old monsters right. when old monsters would fit really well. You know, um, Jim Shaw should have been a Sontaran. Um, right. Well, we, we, yeah, we said the whole Sontaran Rutan uh, battle on Earth would have been really, been really cool. And for, and for new viewers, it would have been, okay, yeah, it's an alien and another alien, which is what right. we got. Um, and, but for old viewers like us, it would have been, Effing awesome because it's the right. Sontarans versus the Rudens. So similarly, mm-hmm. you can imagine like a you know like Alien, as in the movie Alien, like a rogue Cybermat is you know I don't know they find it in the in the junk heap the, the beginning right. you know junk, right. junk, junkyard demon that's why they're in the junk heap or something. Well, just it's just oh, sort of like yeah. why couldn't this have been episode or the, the second episode in the series where the doctor was separated from her TARDIS and this was one hurdle she had to get before the ghost monument. Right. Why decouple the doctor right away after just getting her TARDIS back? It doesn't build on the whole thing that he set up with the announcement of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor finding her TARDIS in the woods and just the, the kind of uneventfulness of the ghost monument pretty easily finding the the TARDIS after being separated for just one story. Yeah. The epicness, the scale seems off, and part of that is with the idea of death. We kill off a, a somewhat likable character, um, Astos, at the very beginning, mm. which, yeah, there was some motivational issues for um, Mabley for that, but that's that was really the only purpose to kill off this character so Mabley could sink or swim on her own and she obviously swam and did all right but... i mean he could have been rendered unconscious for instance i mean you know that could be in a coma he could have just been separated in the pod the pod didn't have to blow up the pod could have been separated from the ship i'll have, I'll have to say that's a really really bad escape pod i think the escape pod that blows up as soon as you like escape <laughs> from whatever you're escaping from they need to go right. back to acme escape pods incorporated and say okay you need to design a new one because this one sucks mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I thought, I thought, you know, the dynamic between the Doctor and Astros was kind of working well. Like, he's a real Doctor, she's just another kind of Doctor. And that seemed to be, that seemed to be a very good, to begin with, sort of, you know, yes. uh, adversarial dynamic. Which then I don't know. Yeah, he he has to die in order that everybody, because everybody, you see, through the story, and this is again the kind of you know uh, how how the how these stories seem to work. Everybody kind of finds their own strength by the end. Right. So like she right. realizes that the nurse realizes she can be a doctor. Um, Mister Pregnancy Man, Mark Gatiss character. Um, uh, it's like yes I can have a baby, and I'm not going to give right. it away. I'm going to keep it. And right. the brother of the general. No, yes, I can be a pilot. It's right. like everybody, and, and and I'm not against people having arcs that allows them to kind of realise their full potential. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of against it being so boringly signalled all the way yeah. through. Yeah. Well, the actor who played Astos, uh, Brett Goldstein, he and Whitaker had acted before in about two years ago in uh-huh. a uh, in a comedy British comedy movie called Adult Life Skills, and uh-huh. so. I think it was fairly good casting. I thought it was a good dynamic that they had going on. And yes, okay, not always the good guys survive. And we've seen that now repeatedly in uh, Chibnall's tenure as showrunner. But occasionally, let's throw us a bad guy. And this is the second week in a row that we've had base under siege with a it's just an animal that's the siege engine or that's holding us hostage. There's no malevolent intent. They're just being an animal. This animal goes after yeah, right. uh, power sources. Last week, this animal was a genetically mutated uh, super spider that was really sad because it was so big and dying from suffocation. We're, we're, we're lacking the Doctor Who panache of, you know, like with Troughton said in Moonbase, there are some corners of the universe that have bred the most terrible things, things that act against everything we believe in. They must be fought. They must be fought, yes. There's no right. battle, yeah. You know, and it goes back to the very first episode where Whitaker's Doctor is sorting out fair play in the universe, and it's sort of like, no, the Doctor doesn't sort out fair play. The Doctor fights evil. Yeah, there is evil, and you got to fight it. Yeah, and... and right. And we've not had evil yet. We've we've had misguidedness, and yes, and you said we've had animals that are doing 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 the th- kind of things that animals do. But just to have it back to back, two base undersea stories, two animals, one set on Earth, one set in space. This is indicative of a showrunner who doesn't have any ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, well, I'm going to have to continue to agree with you on that one, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Again, like the spiders, the CGI for the Pating was very competent. I thought the character design for it was good enough for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, if it would, too cute. Would like too a, big a, a, eyes are too big, too cute. Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was a space stitch, basically. So, I mean, if you want a space yeah. stitch, then they, they, they made a space stitch. I did actually kind of like the ending when it, it got blown out of the airlock in a completely mm-hmm. original fashion, um, <laughs> um, and then mm-hmm. really, and then looked really happy. Um, mm-hmm. That I thought that was a nice moment. But then again, I mean, biologically speaking, you know, it's it's tense. It's you know, it's worse than the, than regular aliens from Alien. It's like, well, what is right. how? What is your ecological niche then, creature? Right. If you kind of live in space and you eat energy. Why wouldn't you just swallow stars? Why don't you just fall into a star or something? You, you, right. you, you stitch. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, that's, okay, so there's another couple of things. There were kind of various beats in the story that 
I think we were expected to be kind of really amazed at. The first mm. of which was, they're on a spaceship. Right. Whereas, and I was, that was completely unsurprising. Like, well, of course they're on a spaceship. Like, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> They've been rescued from a planet. A What's junk it? planet with nothing else on it. A junk planet like, with a <laughs> hospital near. No, of course they're on a spaceship. That wasn't particularly surprising. Mm-hmm. And part of that misfire of those kind of story surprises is I'm afraid the music is really not doing its job. Mm. It's just kind of burbling along in the background. It's kind of sort of, you know, space elevator music. It's yeah. not really telling us what to think. And again, you know, mm-hmm. the music can do that too much, but... I mean, not think, I beg your pardon, it's not really telling feel. us what to feel, yeah, which is right. what the music should be doing. It's not swelling, not rising, and it's not falling, it's just kind of chuntering on behind the action. It's too much like the machine vibrations or the electrical vibrations that you would expect to hear on the spaceship. Right. The kind of the background noise. There's nothing that distinguishes it in this particular episode. Am I hearing the spaceship? Am I hearing the Sanungra uh, hospital vessel? Or... Am I hearing the music? And, yeah. you know, where are all the Akinola rhythms that we had on Expedition Volcano with the themes and that kind of stuff? Right. I'm hearing I'm hearing his ethereal space music soundtrack, which is great. It's radiophonic-like. But there's other times where you actually need a melody. You need a beat. You need a, th- a theme to uh, punctuate yes. the drama, especially when the drama in this case is fairly weak sauce. Yeah, I mean, where, I mean, I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm pining for, you know, early Murray Gold, like, but you know, where are people's themes? Like, where is, right. where is Graham's theme, which should be like a tuba or something, maybe? Like, like a Homer Simpson kind of baby elephant walk thing. <laughs> you know, where's Ryan's kind of, you know, grime theme? Mm. Um, where are those? You like the light motifs of Murray Gold. Well, I, I I guess I didn't like them that much, but at least they gave us an indication of where we should be feeling things when right. the story, plot, and acting wasn't really giving us those cues. Mm-hmm. This episode really could have done with like, okay, you need to feel this right now, and mm-hmm. now you need to feel this. I kept thinking that the set where they had the navigation console, the big white room would have made a better console room set for the Doctor. It was a complete departure from what we've had in anything in the 21st century. Whitaker seemed at home in this clean console room, and it looked very TARDIS-esque to me. You know, it was was TARDIS console-shaped, and it was hanging from the ceiling, and some of the early designs of the, in 2004, 2005, uh, TARDIS consoles had it hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it could have easily mm-hmm. been a super. And it, wouldn't that be amazing to just kind of kick against that prevailing 21st century aesthetic for the TARDIS? And as you say, just I think that's brilliant. Just go for a comp- something completely different. It's very clean. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. And it, it had a different feeling to it. I did think the ceilings were really low. Right. Was that just me thinking? The no, it was. Were low? They felt low. It was supposed to be claustrophobic, I thought. Uh, well, the corridors were wide, so it just didn't feel claustrophobic. It just felt, <laughs> oh, those ceilings are really low. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can use some of this. You see, I was thinking of 42, which, of course, is Chibnall. Right. Which is set in a spaceship, and yeah. I don't know, they have to stop a thing from happening. Um, mm-hmm. Just like this one. And how much more claustrophobic that was. Right. Really, hmm. design-wise, than this was feeling of threat yeah yeah so it's a different that was a larger more industrial scale ship this is supposed to be a smaller ship 
and what we have all these rounded contour lines inside but then externally it doesn't look very round at all it's a very blocky type ship i had a hard time visualizing the Where interior yeah. with the cgi of the exterior and but that said it would have been nice to have a little less of the star trek lurch acting when the ship speeds up or the ship turns or it gets hit then to actually see the an external view of the ship maybe even model work would have been better than the cgi of general cicero piloting through the asteroid field what we got was just Cicero and her brother leaning back and forth. Swaying about with wires attached to them. Yeah, right. I mean, we didn't even have a very simple trick, which, you know, has, was done on Doctor Who in the 70s and 80s, which is, you know, you pull back from, you know, from a window to see the window superimposed upon a model, which just mm-hmm. gives you idea how big everything is and where everyone right. is. Uh, you know, again, you're right. When, we, when they talk about the asteroid field or whatever... Um, uh, all we see is a is a computer is a is a is a flat computer map. Pretty much, uh, yeah. There's no kind of sense of threat there. Of mm-hmm. you know this this piloting job is something that is demanding in some kind of way, mm-hmm. and obviously it's not that demanding because the the mighty uh, Cicero uh, General Cicero you know dies when she's halfway piloting through it, and then her brother just takes over and it's fine because he's found right. a strength within him. To do a very, very tech, what one must assume was a very, very technical and difficult job. All you need to do that kind of job is just find her in the strength, and, and it'll mm. happen. My interpretation was that she had gotten him through the asteroid field. Oh, the, he the just had bit. to bring it into dock. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. Maybe so, yeah. That. So, General, General Eve Cicero got them through the hard part, the asteroid field, and then Dirkus, her brother, little brother, just brought her in to safely dock. Dorcas, that's what I call them. <laughs> um. So the other bit of the console room is we get that little brief blink and you miss it, 18 minutes, 18 seconds in, where we see Davros, a Cyberman, Ood, Weeping Angels, Slitheen, Santaran, Silence, Old School Silurian, a Zygon, and then the Pating. And I wonder, as a showrunner, I wonder if Chibnall is saying I didn't like the Silurian design that Moffat went with in uh series five. Oh, yeah okay could be i'm wondering if this is trying to reintroduce the silurian the question i had though is i don't see how these fit within the greater within the greater universe with this empire you would think they would have like the adipose or something like that why are we trying to compare the short little thing to uh Suntaran? well okay Suntarans are short but a cyberman or, or davros. davros i mean yeah. davros isn't even a monster davros is a villain Right. Um, so you're wondering what kind of computer database which kind of lists out interstellar monster creature threats. And uh, Silurians, inc- old school Silurians, which as Not far as we know... Don't go into space as far right. as we know, though right. I guess they might have done. Um, but, you know, I think the Silurians are pretty much posited, certainly in the new series, as not really being evil, just, you know... Um, they were here first and they're kind of mad about it creatures. Um, right. You know, they may have been spacefaring, but I, I suspect that a, a spacefaring Silurian would not be listed as a monster threat. And certainly Davros would be listed in it. I mean, it would, you know, right. Dalek would maybe. Um, right. 
Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I, I again, it's weird to include all of those old school creatures um, and not include. You know, yeah, I think an adipose would have been perfect. It would have fitted very well with the. At pating. least that would have been the last one before they land on the pating because they would go from bigger drilling down in size or something. Yeah, or... that 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 was that was odd. I mean, you know, the, obviously the scrolling through a computer database and things from Doctor Who in the past coming up is a pretty kind of mm-hmm. standard tropey style joke in new series but i think they right. failed on that one went by too fast i didn't catch it until the second watching or I didn't, second i didn't second catch, watching i didn't catch it at all i was probably fiddling with my phone at that point <laughs> well mm. i liked uh Lois chimimba who played mabley i liked her character i thought that she did yes, good but she did do well she was distracted by yosa's pregnancy and again, this goes to the strange biology or evolutionary biology that we have in this episode. Um, the pating is not just the only one. I'm struggling with how male birth works if there's no plumbing for this, if you have to cut open to retrieve the child. I was expecting there to be some kind of explanation that, I mean, uh, I've read various things about this and, you know, just reading some background reviews and things like whether mm-hmm. whether he was like an alien of some kind or whether he was some augmented human. Um, obviously, he must be an augmented human of some kind because to have, uh, you know, a, a, an alien race who had male pregnancy, which meant that you had to cut open the male in order mm-hmm. for the baby to be born, um, or born even, uh, doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It seemed weird and unnecessary and sort of towards this whole idea, you know, this very, very blatantly signal thing, all the, the, you know, people have to find their inner strength and all will be well. But the whole reason for the male pregnancy is so Ryan could relate to his dad, who is no older than Yos and Ryan is now, uh, becoming a father and for Ryan to be the, you know, very supportive doula, you know, the bro, right. uh, the birth bro yeah. uh, to, to, to help Yost through this. But also, but it's really there. It's so Chibnall is helping Ryan come to terms with his father, which, okay, this is, there's a bit of a character development there, but it's all done through, well, it, it's, it's rather ham-fisted it is and then again you know it's it's men being pregnant is played usually played for laughs i mean look at you know arnold schwarzenegger in whatever the movie is where he becomes pregnant i can't remember what what it's called now Mm, the arnold schwarzenegger pregnancy movie i'm going to call it that (laughs) um you know it's played for a lot it's a funny thing Mm-hmm. Um, and they do start out playing for laughs. He is a kind of Mark Gatiss kind of you know, like funny comedic, ca- character, comedic yeah. character. And then all of a sudden they kind of like, you know, record scratch, realize, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be playing this for laughs. Maybe he needs to find his inner strength and give birth to a baby. Um, but, you know, I'm so, you know, again, I don't want to be like old fashioned, but, you know, men being pregnant is, is you know, intrinsically funny because it's intrinsically something that doesn't happen. Um so, ah, I don't know. It just felt, it felt tonally weird. And I think you're right. I mean, it was really only there to help Ryan come to terms with things. Uh, Chibnall is trying to turn cliches on their heads. So instead of the male general saving the day but dying part of his character arc, we have a, a, the most decorated female general saving the day and dying for his character arc. So then we'll, we flip. Instead, we have the cliche of the woman who's pregnant Oh, let's have a man who's pregnant and about to 
as the doctor says, about to pop. And so he's flipping all these uh, societal gender norms on their head to have a larger commentary. But aside from the general, which I think worked fairly well, I'm not sure the male pregnancy and then just the whole bit with like Yaz talking to Ryan about how his mom died, what happened to your dad, that whole bit. I think this is the first week where the character beats even Chibnall missed on her. Yeah. And this was this is his strong bit, or this was his strong bit, his little bit of character bits just slipped in, but this was not slipped in. This was kind of served up on a platter and I found myself not wanting to take part of what was being uh, offered on the plate. And, you know, again, minor point maybe. I'm just kind of wondering what kind of hospital this was. It was a. That, it was more like an ambulance, the way I could understand I it. I guess so, yeah. That's basically kind of sort of randomly cruising around. They're there to stabilize and then get them back to the space station. But, I mean, it seems weird that, uh, I don't know, there's a junk planet, there's people on the junk planet... The hospital ship is just kind of wandering past. Right. They get injured in a non-fatal way by a fatal device of some kind, and the hospital ship kind of notices I them. I thought and the up. hospital ship was called in by someone dumping junk. And I wish, and again, I you know, I it, it's transmat in Doctor Who. It's not. It's not transport. Teleport. It's not teleport. It's transmat. Just call it a transmat, please. <laughs> we understand what you're. You know, we we would understand even if we didn't what what that meant. Right. Um, and again, you know, the hospital. All it has on it is nobody. Well, it has a general who's sort of pretending to be sick in one way, but is a sick in another way or something. Right. And then some man who's pregnant, and that's all they have on it. And I guess, you know, they're taking them to a bigger hospital? Yeah, well, they're taking them to a hospital. Yeah. It's an ambulance. It's a space ambulance. Space ambulance, all right. And they have a route that they go, and they were lucky. The doctor and friends were lucky that uh, the junk men or whoever on the planet noticed them before it was too late as their insides are being scrambled by the sonic mind, they, and then they come to, they are stabilized on uh, the the Sanungra relief vessel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay, but why did this happen in episode five? Why wasn't this episode two? Yeah, it's just about okay. I'm finding it hard to believe that a mine, which is something that implies like explodes in a kind of an instant, is something that happens to you gradually it gives you enough time for someone to call in for an ambulance i don't know it just right. doesn't make you much sense. a huge amount of sense um i didn't also fully understand what the what the what the what the tsaranga was a conundrum but is it like a <laughs> planet or a people or a company or a i thought it was a hospital f- uh group <laughs> yeah, why don't, why, don't, why don't just call it the Bial Foundation and, like, you know, have done with it? Well, I don't know. Something. The Bial just, Conundrum. I like that a lot better. The name was one of the more interesting things about it, the set. I liked the two medics. I liked uh, Mabley and Astos. I I liked the general. I thought the set was pretty good. The CGI I thought was wanting. I didn't like the alien at all. And yeah. I didn't think it was something special. And generally, when I watch Doctor Who, something special. I, I feel it as something special. And this seemed more generic sci-fi, something really warranting of Star Trek. Yeah, and even, yes, and you know, even down to yeah, warp cores and you know, androids. I mean, the whole yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was again. I was really hoping the android would amount to something. He was pleasantly reminding me of one of the mutoids from. Um, 
like seven um mm. uh you know with a kind of pale skin uh but right. you know and again he just wasn't really why are you even there you're not mm. even really a character um did did, did we ex- did, did you explain to me what the weird hymn at the end was supposed to be it was ronan doing an incantation or i'm guessing kind of a eulogy prayer over the general's um body as part of the death ritual yeah, uh, it, yeah. Ju- it just seemed yeah yeah well i that's what it was it, yeah. and it just seemed this was instead of triumphant music or something right. like that i don't know but it it just it's very star trek it's not Super what star we would trek. get in doctor who no i mean doctor who what you get you know you get the morestrian <laughs> i don't know are you morestrian orthodox you push a button and they shove you out and you know that's that's what we get in doctor who right um i guess what it was kind of reminding me of actually was the uh when they all sing the old ragged cross at the end of uh gridlock at the end of gridlock you know which was actually kind of an exalting and spiritual moments, which is a mm-hmm. weird thing to say about, you know, a kid's sci-fi show. This felt really, really weird and went mm-hmm. on too long and made no sense. And everybody seemed to be really sad and felt it was insane. Well, to it me. was a funeral. Yeah, but I mean, I, I didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like a funeral to me. It felt like, why is the doctor even involved in this how does she know the words yeah i guess that's what i was yes how does how does anyone know the words so i guess this is part of the keban culture maybe this is a keban death ritual that of course it makes sense that the ronin adurkas um Mably and yos would know okay the doctors traveled maybe she's encountered this in the past and fortunately the director wisely didn't cut to graham ryan and yaz all reciting this nonsense but <laughs> this was star trek doctor who did a really nice little mid-season star trek filler episode but this is not why i'm turning into doctor who i liked it better than last week but this is a yeah. second week in a row that we have the animal that's causing a base under siege situation and there's not really a clear-cut baddie or anything being fought. And I'm completely agreeing with David. If I wanted to watch Star Trek, which I don't, <laughs> um, I'd watch Star Trek. Um, fine, hang on. Here's another another thing that was bugging me. Like, So do we find the TARDIS at the end? I don't think we do. We are told that, um, or I think Mabley tells them, after the inquest, they have a teleport booked to return them to the junk planet. So I assume that they teleport successfully and they get to the junk planet. So again, I mean, okay, well, that makes a vague kind of sense. Are you wondering if they've got a teleport that can reach that far, then why didn't they just teleport them straight to the hospital in the first well, place? Maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. We have now two stories where the doctor is separated from the TARDIS looking for the TARDIS. Why not link them together? Yeah. Because standalone episodes that have the sitcom resolution where everything hits the reset why even have the doctor separated from the TARDIS at the beginning of the series at all then I could not agree more yeah so I don't know um uh, they've got their work cut out to kind of bring me around on this one I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not I haven't lost patience yet because I'm still enjoying Graham I'm still enjoying Ryan I'm still enjoying the doctor um I'm enjoying her performance I would like to have Yaz have something to do um, mm-hmm. this next. I mean, she's kind of the Nissa basically at this point. Yep. But we are going back to her origins um, mm-hmm. next week in you know mm-hmm. 1947 India. Um, so maybe she'll have something to do. 
knows? Maybe. Maybe, well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe she'll just be wildly competent and successful and not have anything to do. Not have anything to do. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's when my nan was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. So I, the things I liked about it, I liked or I wished that this was the TARDIS set. I thought it was better than what we have as a TARDIS set or at least a, a more radical departure from what we've had all the previous series. I like the chemistry I, between Astos and Whitaker. Whitaker's Doctor, I thought that was good. I really liked Mabley as a character. Uh, I liked General Cicero. I liked the characters in general that uh, Chibnall put in. The one big triumphant or the one big character art bit with uh, Yaz asking how Ryan's mom died and the whole coming to terms with his father that Ryan did, I didn't think it worked as well as some of other Chibnall's character moments. Yep, yep. So I agree. I I'm I'm with you all the way on all of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got okay. I've got nothing more positive to add. I mean, I yeah. I think you know. Maybe I slightly enjoyed the the CGI ting more than you did, even though it was kind yeah, of I a ridiculous so. a ridiculous character. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're five episodes in. We've got another five episodes to pull this round, um, and they've got their work cut out basically at this point. Yeah. Well, the good news of the five remaining episodes. Only one has been written by Chibnall, the season finale. Oh, well, okay. Well, I hope it's a good one then. Um, (laughs) Chibnall doesn't really have any kind of fan work to recycle, does he? Mm -mm. No. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, they lost Stuart Humphrey's Babel Color with this one. He is not oh. watching anymore. Yep. Oh, blimey. He's, he's unsubscribed from the official Doctor Who Twitter and YouTube channel because wow, he just he, and he really can't take Doctor it anymore. Who. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a big fan. Yeah. Um, goodness. Well, there you go. Well, I said, I mean, it's it, it doesn't lose. I'm diehard. I will. I will. I, I, I've, I've never walked out of a movie and I've never walked mm-hmm. out of a TV show. I'm going to watch it to the end, um, and they need to just up their game and start writing some good episodes. This one had interesting characters in the guest cast, but they had nothing interesting to do. And I'm, you know, and I was, I'm just flicking through the internet here. I mean, they trailed. Where's where's the trailer for this one with the Saranga conundrum? Wait a second, it said something. Wait a second, I'm just. Oh, here we go. Yeah, the Saranga conundrum: risk to life, absolute. Right. A group of strangers to survive against one of the universe's oh. most deadly and unusual creatures. That was well, another I thing. I didn't so. um, feel like there was any risk to no, it. No, there was no risk at all. How can this rescue ship survive with this uh, pating going and destroying everything? Is there that much redundancy built into it? There's life system, life support systems that fail. At the very least, we should have had a computer voice going like, uh, hull breach in 30 seconds. You know, like some kind of Star Trek countdown thing. Or you could be losing parts of the ship as they implode. or Things could be falling off it. There's a the, whole... the lights dimmed once. Yes, exactly. It should be shuddering. There should be light should be dimming. There should be showers of... I mean, if you're going to go full Star... You may as well go full Star Trek. Showers of sparks, you know, things falling right. from the ceiling. The console know. erupting in flame. We're being knocked over. Yeah. You know, I mean, screens maybe... bursting into fire. I just... Exactly. Maybe have some cat nuns. It's a hospital ship after all. <laughs> you know, and then some, you know, some, some illness zombies get released. 
again, I like the medics. I thought that was a strong point. I really was digging Mabley's cosplay of Draven eye makeup. I thought that was good. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought the medics worked. I'm glad they didn't have cat nuns. I really didn't like the cat people. I didn't like them in Gridlock. I didn't Uh, like them in New Earth. uh, I'm not a fan of cat people at all. Well, okay. I mean, I, I did like the cat people. But anyway, the reason why they did the cat people is because space hospitals are boring. Right. As uh, exhibit one in that argument is the, t- the Sarangaranga conundrum. Space <laughs> hospitals are boring. How can we make them not boring? Everyone's dressed up like a cat. Okay, well, right. it's silly, but at least right. it's not dull. I guess the mm-hmm. alien was kind of silly, uh, but it was also dull. They were trying to do an adipose, and it just didn't <laughs> work. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, next week, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested to see how they do handle partition, you know, which is kind of like, well, who's the who are the bad guys? Is it the mm-hmm. Muslims or the Hindus? I don't know. Who are we going to blame? Oh, let's blame it on aliens. Um, demons. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's some difficult waters to tread there. They did a good job treading them for um, negotiating those waters for Rosa. I trust they'll do the mm-hmm. same. But um, as long as they don't have... The doctor explaining partition for 10 minutes to people who have never heard of it or people talking about their relatives for another 10 minutes, um, then I'll be I'll be happy if those things don't happen. Well, I'm hoping for a real baddie. That's what we've been missing. And the what uh, Crasco, Tim Shaw and Jack Robertson are not cutting it for me they're all going to team up they're all going to team up to 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 realize partition is what they're going to do tim Mm. shaw brasco and uh and and jack robinson whatever he's called tim robinson you know another observation i've had is you know how tight tightly uh lipped they were on the whole series chibnall the production team and not a lot of teasers not a lot of information coming out of it right i'm wondering if that was not from a position of strength but a position of Whoops. If we let, there's not much here. If we let anything out, <laughs> yes, there the little surprises or the little bit of interest that there are in the stories will have leaked out all in the trailers. There's not much in any of these stories so far. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yes, that's there. You go. That's the uh, that's the paranoid explanation. But yes, no, I I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would, that wouldn't surprise me if that was true. Yeah. Still doing pretty well in the ratings, so we're just grumpy old fanboys, I think. So. We certainly are. We I don't certainly know. are. My takeaway, I did enjoy this better. Uh, I didn't get as bored with this as I did with Arachnids in the UK. Mm. So I got bored. Mm. Not a good sign for Doctor Who. No, bad sign. Doctor Who should be anything but boring. It yeah. should keep 50-year-olds entertained, damn it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, how, how, are, how are we 50-year-olds supposed to be entertained if things aren't entertaining for us? Yes, this we, is... We have so little is... else in our lives. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. All I think right, we, I think we've, we've beaten this... Beat this one, this yep. Patang, patang, whatever it's called, into a... Pating. Pating, into a into, into pulp, um, yeah. Well, if you made it this far, thank you for listening to episode 95 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I've been talking with Ben. And I have been commiserating with David. Good night. Good night. <laughs> and then you can roll around on the floor going... <laughs> the Reverend Arthur Belling is vicar of St. Clooney up the cream bun and jam.
Is this someone's idea of a nasty joke? What is it? Sonic Mine. It's counting down. How long we got? Three, two, one. <laughs> 